morning. Welcome to Covenant Baptist Church. Uh, it's great that you could join us via YouTube. Uh, today's message is going to be a Harvest Mission Sunday message. And the tradition or the idea behind the Harvest Mission Sunday, as far as I understand it, is it's based off the time of year when ranchers would sell off their, their cattle, uh, farmers would sell their crops, and that's when they would get their one paycheck a year, and they would bring that uh, the tithes and offerings to the Lord as a time of celebration, uh, of appreciation, to say, look how good God is, look what God has done for us, and they would give to the Lord on that day, and we would have a time of excitement for everybody. Uh, but that's not something that is necessarily the case for everybody today, because many of us work different kinds of jobs where we get paid once a month, like I do, or somebody paid twice a month. We bring our offerings to the Lord um, at those times. But not everybody even fits into that category because there are kids who haven't yet worked and there's those who are retired who no longer work and have the opportunity to do that. So I want to look at this Harvest Mission Sunday from the viewpoint of how we harvest what we reap or what we sow, what we do. We reap the consequences of that, whether they are good or bad. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7-9 through nine, makes this very clear to us. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man whose way sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for the being the God that you want. But first of all, you have blessed us with what we have, but we have something to give back to you. You have blessed us beyond what we deserve, and we are so grateful for that. God, I thank you for the promises that we find in the scripture that we will reap what we sow, and that we have the opportunity to do that in a positive way. God, you've given me these words to share from your scriptures, and I just pray that it comes out as you want to. That no matter what I say, God, the people would hear your truth, and we would all be encouraged, we would all be convicted to do better, and to uh, make sure that we understand clearly that we are reaping what we sow we be determined to keep someone well for days and for years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. So first of all, uh, we reap what we sow. And we all understand this idea of reaping what we sow. I have here a bag of candy that I'd surely like to give away uh, to kids. And had I had a bunch of kids here today, I would be asking them a very simple question. What would you get if you planted a pumpkin seed? They would respond to pumpkin. What would you get if you planted a tomato plant? They would respond to a tomato. And you could go on and on with all examples of watermelon, of grass, of wheat, and you would reap what you sow. And it's a very simple thing that everybody understands. I'm going to harvest based off of what I plant in the ground. This is true physically speaking of, of when we plant our gardens, when we plant our fields, but it also uh, is true spiritually speaking. What we plant is what we sow. Uh, or what we reap. What we plant is what we reap. Verses, uh, verse 8 gives us a couple options of how we can reap and what we can sow. Uh, the first is uh, what you find in Galatians chapter 6 verse 8. Verse eight. It says, The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21 gives us an idea of what it looks like to sow for a sinful nature. 
It says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. All the time they're in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want. Verse 19 says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So there's this huge slew of what of examples of what it looks like to please our selfish nature. And we want to do that. We were born with this, a simple, selfish nature that is hungry, that wants us to feed it to keep it satisfied. <clears throat> and we are going, if we, if we go that direction, if we choose to please the selfish nature that we have, we are going to reap the consequences of that. It's going to be destruction. Now, for those of us who have made the uh, decision to trust Jesus as our Savior, we still also have the, uh, the possibility of reaping what we have sown. We are going to have our sins forgiven because 1 John 1 9 says, If you confess your sins, God is going to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you fall from all unrighteousness. But that doesn't mean you're off the hook for what, <clears throat> what the consequences are. For example, you think about something, I'll just pick up myself who, uh, who eats food and exercises sometimes, and if I just eat lots of the wrong kinds of food, my arteries start to plug and I start to get heavy and I start to get sluggish and I go to the doctors and say, please help me. He says, Josh, what did you expect? You reap what you sow. Now you have clogged arteries. Josh, now you're on the verge of getting diabetes. Now you are in critical condition in your health. And I can say, I'm sorry that I did that. Please forgive me. Well, I'm repenting. I might say I'm going to change my, my uh, direction from that point on. But I'm still stuck with the consequences of eating poorly and of not eating of not exercising. Okay, when the, the guy who's on death row, who has committed a crime, has killed somebody and is waiting to die, during that time he can decide to confess his sins and tell Jesus he's sorry, ask Jesus to save him from uh, hell, because he trusted him for salvation, but it doesn't mean that he gets to go. He's still reaping the consequences of his decision. He's still going to die however they deem that's going to be, whether it's life in prison or uh, whether it's some other form of execution. The same is true for us if we choose to do the wrong thing. We can be forgiven, but we're still going to reap the consequences of those actions. Verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Do not be deceived. Do not be led astray. Do not be led into error or led from the truth. You know, it's, it's easy to fall into the trap that really it's not that big a deal or it doesn't matter that much to God because I got away with it for a while. Nobody saw me. Nobody yelled at me. Nobody noticed. Uh, you know, I, I told you time and time again, well, when I got my speeding ticket a couple years ago, the very first one that I got, was that the first one that I deserved? No. I deserved lots of other speeding tickets. Sometimes I accidentally put my foot on a pedal. Sometimes I did it on purpose. Uh, and it's easy to say, okay, I didn't get caught last time, so it must be okay. Don't be deceived. Don't believe that's not true. Because God is not going to be mocked. At some point, you're going to reap the consequences for your actions. So that means that people who pledge the numbers on election day are going to face a consequence 
uh, in some way, shape, or form. And you find you find on the news that there are people who, in a postal system, who thought they were getting away with throwing people's mail away, even unrelated to the, the election. They thought they were getting away with it, and then all of a sudden you find out that oh, somebody videotaped this. Uh, people who steal from companies for years upon years and get away with it. At some point, they're going to to deal with that. They're going to come face to face with that. They're going to uh, somebody's going to recognize it. They're going to be dealing with their conscience. Uh, they're going to be standing before God dealing with this. But they're not going to get away with it. The, the kid who cheats on his homework, who gets through years of school uh, by cheating, at some point is going to reap what he sows. Now, we reap what we sow on the negative side. But we also reap what we sow on a positive side. And that's where I really want to spend our time. Because today is a day of celebration. It's a day of appreciation to say, look what God did for us. How he blessed us with our crops, how he blessed us financially throughout the year. It's a good thing. God rewarded people for doing a good job. So that's what I want to focus on, is when you do that physically, but also when you do that spiritually, God wants to bless you for doing a good job. So, uh, Paul tells us in Galatians 6, 8, not 6, 9, says 6, 8, the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So first of all, the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit is God. And if we sow to please our to please God, we will reap eternal life. Now, first of all, that's done by trusting Jesus as your Savior. Because uh, there's nothing that we do that's worth anything. We can't do a bunch of good works and put them before God and say that's worth anything. The Bible says all our good deeds are like filthy rags. So it's not like you're basing your pleasing God based off of your actions to say, hey, you can get to heaven. You only do that through a seed of faith. Through trusting Jesus as your Savior, then you gain eternal life. But sowing and reaping is not just a one-time event. This is an all-day, everyday kind of situation. And as, as we're sowing to please the Spirit, we are doing what it is that God has called us to do, which can be a very difficult task because it says that our uh, in verse 17. That, they are, that our sinful nature and the spirit are in conflict with each other because they do not want to do the same thing. They want to go two separate directions. And you are born with a sinful nature. You want to go do what your sinful nature wants to do. It's just wired in you to want to do that. So you've got to make a choice. I'm going to be crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I'm going to let Christ Jesus live through me. And I'm going to choose to do what the spirit is asking me to do. So we're supposed to sow to please the Spirit. Well, what do we use? What do we do? What's that look like? Well, a couple of different examples of what you can use to sow, because uh, basically it's your actions, is you can use your money. Now, you use your money on a regular basis to buy food, and buy tools, and buy outfits, and put gas in the car, and things like that. And I can, there, I can use this temptation to use all that I have for myself, all the money that I earn, I've earned it, and I, I can just spend it all on myself. There's no end of things that I can purchase. But that's the sin of someone to please myself. That's not what God is asking me to do. He said, please use it to please the Spirit. Yes, it's okay to put gas in your car. But it's also important to use some of that money as God has asked you to do it. That might be you putting it in the offering, writing a check uh, to send to a missionary, you know, somebody struggling in town or something. Whatever it is that God's asking you to do, you sow it by using that money and and giving it, however God wants you to do it. That's so to please the Spirit. He sees that and he is happy with that. That's part of why he gave it to you. You sow uh, 
uh, with your time. You know, I know not everybody has the same amount of time. I have more time than a rancher does. They, they work a lot longer hours, and they're a lot busier, so they don't have that luxury quite the same way that I do. But God knows that. And he says, you know what? Uh, you need to make sure that you're using some of that time for me. You know, we have our hobbies. We have our work. We have things that we like to do. And there's, there's movies we can watch. There's, there's no end of things that we can do with our time. To the point where we do nothing for the Lord. That's not what, that's so completes our selfishness. To so completes the Spirit is to say, okay, I'm going to use some of my time for the Lord. I'm going to go help on Wednesday night at one I'm going to show up to church to help with that project. I'm going to prepare my Sunday school lesson to do a, a good job on Sunday morning. You're using your time to, for yourself, but you're also using it for the Lord. You have possessions. All of us have some kind of possession that we use for ourselves. We buy it for ourselves. We have cars. We have we have our house. Uh, you know, speaking of cars, I think this guy who once uh, got a brand new car, and shortly after buying that car, he picked up a bunch of youth group kids, let them eat ice cream in the car, and he took them to a youth group event. Now, it wasn't it was a brand new car. It's, this guy drove it out the showroom floor. It wasn't I mean, it wasn't like the most expensive brand new car. But people still looked at it like he was crazy. Did you would use your brand new car and let kids eat in it and take it to a thing? But this guy recognized that this was God's car. He wasn't just going to use it for himself. He says, I want to use it for the Lord. It's going to get kids to someplace where they're going to hear the gospel, where they're going to be encouraged to be with other Christian teens. And so he did it. So use your possessions for the Lord. <clears throat> Not everybody sees that the same way. Uh, I knew I worked at this camp once where people would donate to the camp, which was a really nice thing to do, but they didn't exactly donate the best stuff. Now, nobody's asking you to donate a brand new lawnmower, uh, which would, would have been perfect, uh, but that's the way it goes. But people would donate a lawnmower that just has a flat tire that needs to be changed. Or they donated a grill that just needs the, the, it needs the wire taped up or the core replaced. Okay, that's, I mean, in a way, that's, that's donating, and it's, but that's not what God's after. He's not asking for your junk. He doesn't want you to give the crummy stuff. You don't have to give camp the, the best brand new lawnmower, but fix the tire first. Change the cord first. And I know at that one point you want to keep it, but that's when you can give it away. Our family, our church recently blessed a family with meals because they needed meals. And, and talking to those people, I found out that this has happened for them once before, a long time ago, far away, different church. And people brought them meat, but it was freezer burnt. They brought them cans of, of food, but it didn't have the labels on it. It's still food, right? They, they lived and it blessed them, but it really wasn't what, I don't think, what God was asking for. I don't feel like that was pleasing the Spirit. It might have been pleasing themselves, but God, I mean, but God used it, and He got them through, but it wasn't what I don't think God was asking for. So we can use our money to, to sow seeds. We can use our time to, to honor the Lord. We can use our possessions. We can use our words. Everybody's got out. You know, we use our words to share our opinions, to get our point across, to order people around, whatever. Uh, but we should use our mouth to share the good news of Jesus. We all can do that. The gospel message is simple. We are sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus paid that price so that we could have salvation. 
We can use our words to encourage somebody who we see downtrodden. They look like they're having a bad day. We can use words to encourage someone to persevere, to keep going. So we can, we can use our words to sow seeds. And the last thing I want to mention is we can use our talents. Everybody's got an ability to do something. Some people can sing. Some people can woodwork. Some people can craft. Some people can teach. And there's a lot of people in a lot of churches all around America who do those things, but when it comes to the church, they say, I'm not singing at church. I'm not going to do my woodworking at church. I'm not teaching at church. I do that all this rest of this time. And that's a, an ideal way to use what God has given you to do, to sow seed. He's given you that natural ability to use it elsewhere. Why not try using it at church uh, or camp or, or something where uh, ministry is always going on? And I know that here's, here's a, a verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 talks about uh, something, it talks about sowing sparingly and reaping sparingly. And I just, I know I just talked about ways that we can sow. And I know it's sometimes it's hard to give money. It's hard to use my extra time. It's hard to, uh, to give use my talents because I'm already using them for other things. And, and so this is a tough verse uh, to hear. But it says, if you sow sparingly for the Lord, you're going to reap sparingly. But there's also a promise in here. If you sow generously, you are going to reap generously. It is going to be worth it. And it doesn't have to be better than what everybody else can do. It doesn't have to be more. You know, I've said it. Uh, I have my abilities. You know, I can, uh, my wife can sing a lot better than I can. Uh, but you know what? I can sing too. Someone else can be woodworking. No, see, Moses can woodwork a lot better than I can. But I can still do something. Somebody else can uh, give a lot more. Somebody else has a nicer car. Somebody else, whatever. Get that out of your mind. Don't worry about what everybody else can do. Hear this for yourself. If you sow generously, you are going to reap generously. God does, God's not going to compare you to what everybody else is doing. He's comparing you to you. Are you so sparingly, Josh? Or are you so generously? Um, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, it talks about giving a cup of cool water in Jesus' name. That's not hard to do. Wow, that's pretty simple. You can do that much and that little to do something for the Lord. Yeah. You know, back in the day, it was a big deal for them. You know, I think they would have to pull the water, get it out of the well, and they'd have to put it in a picture and carry it on their head or however to get to some place and give somebody water. And that was kind of a big deal. Here we just turn on our faucet. I think in the cold, on, on Wednesday nights, when kids run around with the lawn and have cookies and then they come back thirsty and they want some more, here's a cup of cool water. She's sowing. She's going to be rewarded for that. It's something that simple. It's just doing what God has asked you to do. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing or what everybody else is giving. Yet the little old lady who gave uh, her two last copper coins. And there's all these people dumping in bags of money. And her little coins didn't even make a sound. It, nobody even noticed that they were there except that they saw this little old lady do something. And Jesus says, you know what, folks? This lady has given all, I mean, she's given more than you guys have ever given. She gave generously even those two little coins, because she gave all she had to live on. So it's not the amount of what you do um, compared to what anybody else does. It's, it's God knows your sparingly. God knows your generosity. 
And so make sure that you sow generously so that you can in turn reap generously. We can sow to please ourselves. We can sow to please our spirit. Whatever we do, we are going to reap accordingly. Now Paul tells us in verse 9 to persevere in sowing good. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now Paul is writing this, and I think he could be writing to himself. You know, preachers, you know, Pastor Eric, I know myself, when I, when I prepare a message, I, I get hammered way more than you ever get hammered. And uh, I, I can picture Paul writing this like he's encouraging, he's reminding himself of this too. If I sow sparingly, I'm going to reap sparingly. If I keep sowing good, uh, generously, I'm going to reap generously. Paul could be reminding himself of that same truth as he goes because Paul's had a rough life. Um, I read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He talks about he's gone through hardships. He's been under great pressure. He's despaired even of life. And he's hardly felt the sentence of death. That's how Paul's describing his time in Asia. And it was a difficult place to serve. I think I don't think that's anything anybody here wants to volunteer for. We think, no way, I don't want to go through that. And it would be easy to understand this isn't worth it. I'm sowing this much, and this is how this is what I'm getting out of it. This is how I feel. I'm, I'm done. But Paul knows that it's eventually worth it. He knows he's going to be what he uh, what he has sown. On the second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-three and twenty-seven, he talks about being shipwrecked three times. He's talked about being in prison. He's been flogged. He's been beat with rods. He's been stoned. He's gone through all these terrible things, making it really easy for him to say, "You know what? This isn't worth it." But again, I think he's reminding himself, too, that it is worth it. I will reap what I sow. I, I'm sowing generously as I go. I'm telling the gospel. I'm putting up with this. God's going to bless me because of what I'm doing. It is it's going to be worth it. You might find yourself in that situation. No, you're not getting flawed. No one rocks at you. But you might find that it's hard to keep persevering. That it's hard to keep serving the Lord because you're just not seeing any fruit. You know, maybe you've invested into a ministry, or you, you talk to the same person multiple times, and you're just not seeming to get through. Uh, it's been the same way for the last couple of years. Nothing seems to be happening. Uh, it can be easy to say, you know what, I'm done. I quit. I'm, I'm leaving this. It's just not worth it. Or maybe you're, you're choosing to do the right thing. You're standing up for a godly truth. You're trying to share the gospel. You're trying to love uh, people. And you're, you're the person who's getting persecuted. You're the person who's getting rejected. You're the person who's getting ignored. And you think, wait a second, God, I'm doing this for you. This is not worth it because of what I have to do with it. You know, that's, um, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Persevere. Trust God to get you through that. You know, something that my wife has had to, to learn. And it's something that I know Jordan at the e Free Church has had to deal with, my mom. You know, and, and these ones are not... It seems like kind of a sad thing, but, but they've had a rough time throughout their lives being a pastor's wife. They didn't pick that ministry. They're not the ones doing anything. But just because of that fact, they get um, people don't want to be their friends. And they can each give you stories of, of times in their life. I know uh, when I was a youth pastor in Davenport, uh, we were at Noah was in wrestling. And Leslie's talking to this gal, and of course she's trying to become a friend, and we're meeting this gal week after week, and 
So you ask, well, what does your husband do? And Leslie says, well, he's the youth pastor. All of a sudden, the conversation's done. I mean, not she didn't like completely cut it off at that point, but you can tell very quickly I'm uncomfortable, I'm leaving, uh, I'm distracted by my kid, and then it's awkward from that point on. Uh, Jordan can tell you the same kind of thing. People say, I don't want to be their wife, or be their pastor, uh, their friend. They're the pastor's wife. My mom has had the same kinds of things where she got to the point where she says, are you sure you want to be my friend? Because I'm the pastor's wife. And, and whatever situation it is, you can, you can find yourself there saying, why is it worth it? How could it be worth it? Look how people are treating me. Look what I'm going through. I'm getting ignored. I'm getting left out. I didn't get the promotion, and I know it's because of Jesus. I didn't get X, Y, or Z. I didn't get put on the team or invited to the, to the club. It's all because of Jesus. And people can say easily, it's not worth it. But you know what? It is worth it. I want to encourage you, don't, don't buy the lie that it doesn't really matter, because what you do really does matter. God is going to reward you. He's going to bless you for what you've done. And it's going to be very, very handsomely. It's going to be a blessing. You know, have you ever uh, planted a crop in a garden or a field to get nothing out of it? I have. I mean, we've uh, here or Davenport, or uh, we've tried planting things and we didn't really get anything out of it. Maybe it's my fellow's skin color is not green. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, have you ever invested money into a stock market only to get minimal returns on that? Somebody else gets a great big amount and you just seem to just barely um, get it beyond that. Have you ever stood for a test? You know, you ask all the questions, you go in and you get help only to, I mean, you're investing in your own future, your own education, only to reap nothing. That kind of talk kind of feels. Or have you ever shown the gospel only to have someone reject it? You finally get up the nerve and the courage to spit it out when a person says, oh, thanks, I'm not interested. Sounds a bit discouraging, doesn't it? I would be discouraged too. I, I mean, I don't plant gardens anymore because it's discouraging. I, I thankfully don't want to sit for tests. I've been there and done that. I have shared the gospel and have people reject it. And it is hard to keep going. That's the idea that I'm trying to get across. And Paul said, don't let that stop you. 1 Corinthians 15, 8 says, Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Do your best for the Lord. Use whatever you have for the Lord. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Uh, Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The, the harvest is guaranteed. I promise it will be worth it. You will reap a reward when it's time for the harvest. Maybe you haven't reaped a reward yet for things that you have done here on earth, for that time you spent talking to that person, for the, for the money that you gave, for, the, uh, for how you let someone use your car, and it hasn't seemed to amount to anything. When the time is right, you will reap your reward. Some rewards are immediate. You know, when, when I said I had candy here, and I wanted to ask kids a question, as soon as they answered that question, they sowed an answer, they reaped the reward, and they got the candy. Some things in life take a little bit longer. You plant a garden, you got to wait all summer to reap or to harvest the crop. If you plant winter wheat, you're waiting a lot longer, right? Like from fall until uh, like uh, July, August, about that time, in order to reap your, your harvest. And some things in life are going to do that. 
You may see that you may see the outcome now, you may see the outcome 20 years from now, or you may never see the outcome because it, it happens long after you're gone. It doesn't matter. God says you are going to reap a reward. Guess what? You are going to reap a reward. Be encouraged to keep sowing and to sow generously because God will reward you for what you do. You think about wheat. You get this one little grain of wheat, a wheat kernel, and you throw it in the dirt, and it grows up. Does it just become one little seed again on the stalk of one little seed? No, there's multiple seeds, right? That encourages you to keep growing uh, wheat. It works with corn. You don't just get one little kernel. There wouldn't be no point to it. You get an abundance. You get way more than you ever planted. And when it comes to sowing for Jesus, what, how God has asked you to sow, you're going to reap way more than you ever gained. I mean, it might be a sacrifice here on earth with your time, with your possessions, with your talents. It might be hard to do. It might be all you can do to, to get those things out. But when you get to heaven and you look at the scale here, this is what you did, which is like barely nothing. There's this big weight of how much you are getting. It doesn't even compare because of what you are getting. So don't look at what you are giving in order to get. Just know that whatever you're sowing generously, God's going to reward you, and it's going to be more than you deserve. It's going to be more than I deserve. Um, that's how good God is. I just want to encourage you. If you are sowing well, if you're using your money, your time, your talents, your resources, your energies for the Lord, keep it up. God's going to reward you for doing that. If you're the person who says, you know what, Josh, I, I heard all that, and I can recognize I really haven't done much for the Lord. I haven't been sowing too great. Uh, you know what? It's okay. Don't keep going that way, but you can't do anything about the past. All you can do is move forward. So I want to encourage you to find some way that you can invest in God's kingdom. That you can use whatever you have as God has asked you to use it. Get your eyes off of you. Get your eyes on Jesus and what he's asked you to do. Just don't be satisfied doing nothing. Because at some point, um, it's going to be too late. When you die, you, get, you stand before God. If you haven't sown that seed of faith and trusted Jesus for your salvation, it's going to be too late. There's nothing to harvest. There's no changing at that point. It's too late. If you haven't done anything or barely anything to, to uh, sow seeds for Jesus here, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be able to say, wait, quick, throw my money, uh, my bank account out there. Everything that I have here is going to stay here and it's going to mean nothing. That's why it's important to make that choice that I'm going to choose to uh, sow as <laughs> God is asking me to sow now because uh, then up in heaven I will reap the reward. Take God's word for it. It's right there plain in scripture. You will reap what you sow. If you sow to please the sinful nature, you're going to reap destruction. If you sow to please the spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. Don't become weary in doing good because at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I know uh, Part is tough to hear that if we are doing what's wrong, we're going to the consequences of those actions. But God, we know that what your promise is saying, that if we so please the Spirit, we will reap eternal life. There are blessings to follow, and it will last forever. And I am so grateful for that. 
God, I pray that you help each of us not to be discouraged, not to be tired, not to be too worn out to, to serve you. Please help us to use whatever we have to further your kingdom, to do whatever it is that you're asking us to do. I pray this in Jesus' name.